Matthew chapter 16 is where we'll be tonight, and uh, if you're able to physically, let's uh, stand together. We'll read this passage uh, together tonight. Matthew chapter 16, and uh, we'll pick it up in verse number 13 again. Matthew 16, 13 says, When Jesus came into the coasts of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, Well, some say that thou art John the Baptist, some Elias, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He saith unto them, But whom say ye that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered and said, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. I say unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed heaven. Let's pray again. Lord, thank you for your goodness in our lives. Thank you for your word. Thank you for this local church and what a blessing it is. I pray, Lord, that you would help us tonight to understand a little bit better on how we can be part of this local church. And uh, we pray that you would guide our thoughts now in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. you may be seated. Well, a few weeks ago, we started... Uh, this series, uh, well, really back in uh, the beginning of September, and uh, we've had some hiatuses through this series already. We've had some uh, some uh, breaks from it, but uh, because of some special things we've had, um, but uh, we started talking about uh, going through these Baptist distinctives on what we believe and why we believe what we believe. And uh, we started with the letter B. We're using the, the word Baptist as an acrostic, and we're going to hit through some of the distinctives on, on what we believe as Baptists and what kind of sets us apart from a lot of other Christian churches in our area. Uh, we started with the letter B. <clears throat> letter B stands for Bible-only authority. And, uh, and then we, we, we answered that question with, uh, we, we talked about that, and then it, it led to the question, okay, which Bible should we use? And right then we went into the series, the little mini-series on why we hold to the King James Version of the Bible. Uh, not that we necessarily look down on anyone else for using a different uh, translation, but, um, um, but at the same time as a church, we need to make a decision, and, and uh, we've made the decision that uh, we're going to use the King James Version, and we went through all that. Um, and then letter A stands for Autonomy of the Local Church. And, uh, and so last time uh, we, we did this, part one, we looked at the inception of the church, how it was promised to Peter here in chapter number 16 of Matthew. And then it was officially started on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter number two. And then we looked at the identity of the church and how the Bible uh, refers to the universal church, just this large group of believers. But Ultimately, the emphasis of the New Testament when it refers to the church, the, the, the overwhelming majority refers to a local church assembly, uh, much like Cornerstone Baptist Church is a local uh, assembly of believers. That's what the word church is mostly uh, referred to in the New Testament. 
And so we also talked about the independence of the local church and the fact that each of us is, uh, each church should be self-governing, that uh, we don't need a denominational hierarchy to report to or to control what we do, um, because as the denominational headquarters goes, then, then it affects the churches as well. And really, God holds us each accountable and, and uh, to Him. And, and so we talked about we're self-governing, but that we're also free to cooperate with other churches of like faith and practice. And so that's what we talked about. Uh, we, did, we did hit a little bit on the uh, Southern Baptist Convention um, and the reason that we're not part of it. We hit on that last time as well. Um, but tonight we're going to continue our discussion on the church, and uh, we're going to dive into this outline. Now, <clears throat> you may have noticed on the outline that we have several subpoints, and uh, I, I like what my daughter called them. Uh, she called them bonus points, and uh, that's a good perspective uh, because you're thinking, oh, great, this is going to be a long end. Uh No, they're bonus points. You're going to get kind of more, uh, more, more truth for for your time together tonight. So um, I promise to talk fast if you'll listen fast. So let's go ahead and jump into the outline, okay? Uh, number one, let's talk about the importance of the church. The importance of the church. And uh, first of all, Jesus created it, okay? Um, and uh, this, is, this is, we talked about the institutions uh, in the last message, uh, that God ordained. We talked about how He ordained the family, He ordained the government, human government, and then He ordained the church. And uh, so He created it, and uh, just like anything that God creates, um, it's important because He created it. Okay, The family is important because God created it. And that's why we need to make sure that we uh, keep the family the way God created it and not try to pervert it like our culture is trying to do, um, and uh, and certainly with the church as well. Um, there's there's perversions of of the church, and uh, we need to make sure that we are keeping it important because He created it. And uh, verse number eighteen, uh, upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Jesus created it. It's important because He created it. It's also important because Jesus purchased it. How many of you went Black Friday shopping at some way, shape, or form this week? All right. Um, how many went Thursday? Raise your hand. Okay, that's not Black Friday shopping, okay? Just so you know, because that was on Thursday. And so it can't be Black Friday shopping if it's on Thursday. And yet I know they call it that still. Um, anyway, uh, hopefully you got some great deals, but you had to purchase it. You had to use money to purchase it. Well, Jesus purchased the church, and according to Acts chapter 20 and verse 28, it says, uh, here Paul's talking to the elders there at Ephesus, and he says, Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock, over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers, to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased. And then it explains the price tag of the church. He purchased it not with money. He purchased it with his own blood. Acts chapter 20, verse 28. It was expensive. It cost him his own blood. That was what he was doing on the cross of Calvary as he was 
shedding his blood to purchase the church, to purchase you and I. So it's important because Jesus purchased it, because Jesus created it, and also because Jesus loves it. Ephesians 5 and verse 25, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church. And then we find at the end of that verse the extent of love that Jesus had for the church when it says, and gave himself for it. And that's the kind of love that husbands are supposed to have for their wives. That's a pretty high standard, ladies and gentlemen. And, uh, and, and husbands, we have uh, a standard that none of us are going to be able to quite reach, but, but we need to strive to love our wives like Christ loved the church. But he loved the church so much that he was willing to give himself for it. And those three aspects there prove the importance of the church because it was important to him. It was important in him, uh, to him enough to create it, to purchase it, and then to love it. And look, if the church is important to Jesus Christ, should it be important to you and I? The answer is, of course, yes, it should be. Um, and so I want to encourage us with that thought tonight. If the church is important to Jesus, and it is, then it should be important in our lives as well. This isn't just an optional thing for a Christian. A lot of Christians do view it that way, or hey, I've had enough of church, or that's why I don't like churches, because they do. this goes on. Look, I know that there's no such thing as a perfect church, including this one. The reason for it is because I'm the pastor, and I am not perfect. Far from it. I have a lot of room to grow. I realize that. But look, just because we're not perfect doesn't give us an excuse to neglect something that's so important to Jesus. He created it, He purchased it, and He loves it. And we need to have it part of our lives as too, uh, part of our life as well. And secondly, I want us to notice tonight not only the importance of the church, but the interests of the church. What should the church be doing? What are the focuses or the interests of the church to help the community? Yes, that's a good thing. But more importantly, there's some biblical um, mandates and focuses that we should have and interests that the church should have. First of all, letter A is to bring glory to God. That's why we exist here in the church, is to bring glory to God. 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 31, Whether therefore ye eat or drink or whatsoever ye do, do all that the community is happy. <laughs> That's not what it says. Do all to the glory of God. That should be the focus of each of our individual lives, but also as a church family. When Paul wrote that, he was writing to a church, a church family that should be focused on bringing glory to God, and that should be our focus as a church family. Revelation 4 and verse 11, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For Thou hast created all things, and for Thy pleasure they are. And we're created. The reason that we were created is to bring glory to God. You say, I got to, you know, my, my purpose in this life, it's, it's my mission. Our mission should be, as Christians, to bring glory to God. 
to make him look good and to make him happy and to make him smile, to bring pleasure to God and to please our Lord. That should be the interest of our church. But not only that, we also, uh, the interest of our church is to grow spiritually and relationally. I hope that we're desiring to each individually grow spiritually as a church family, getting deeper in our understanding of who God is and uh, becoming more mature as Christians, and then relationally growing closer together, having a closer unity uh, as we strive together for the faith of the gospel. And we spoke about that this morning. Acts chapter 2, verse 42 says, And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. So this is kind of spiritual growth, learning and learning about God through His Word, learning about Christ and what He's done in our lives. And then, and then it says they continue steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship. Fellowship. You know, one of the uh, one of the purposes we set out for our church way back in January of this year, one of the priorities that we set out was to uh, grow in our fellowship, grow in our relationships, getting to know one another. And uh, that's one of the purposes of a church is to develop this fellowship and this relationship, these relationships within the church. And so that's one of the interests of the church is to bring glory to God, to grow spiritually and relationally. And then thirdly, to carry out the Great Commission, to carry out the Great Commission Matthew chapter 28, of course, says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, and then teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even unto the end of the world. So to carry out the Great Commission isn't just soul winning, by the way. Um, it does include that. It's part of it, but that's not really the end of it. Um, the Great Commission is to go out into our Jerusalem and in our uh, Judea or Samaria and Judea and into the uttermost parts of the earth. And we do that through our local outreach here. Uh, we mentioned our, our all-church outreach this coming Saturday. Well, that's an opportunity to carry out the Great Commission. Okay, so there's that, but then also through our missions program, through giving towards missions and being willing to go uh, maybe even as a missionary, okay? But then it's not, it's not done with just going out and, and uh, winning people to Christ. We then need to make sure that they follow the Lord in baptism. Now, that's, of course, we know that that's not necessary for salvation, but we know that that's necessary for continued spiritual maturity and growth. It's the first step that a Christian should take after they become a Christian. And that's part of the Great Commission, Right? Um, so we can't just stop with, hey, they got saved, I'm done, I fulfilled the Great Commission. No, we haven't, actually. We've only finished 33% of the Great Commission. And if you get a 33% on a test, you're not writing home about it. You're hiding that from your parents, aren't you? Okay. Um, well, so we need to make sure that we're following through with the rest of the Great Commission because it's going, therefore, and teaching all nations, telling them the truth about salvation, then we baptize them, and then in the, in the last part of the Great Commission there is teaching them to observe all, observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. 
And so we need to make sure that we're instructing them in the truth. We're discipling people. We're, we're, we're teaching them the truth of the Word of God and, and what it means to be a Christian and how to live as a Christian and, and some of the basics of the Christian life, like uh, the basics of the Bible, the basics of prayer, the basics of uh, being involved in a church, the basics of uh, just the basics of the Christian life. So we need to carry out the Great Commission, and it has three parts. And uh, as someone has once uh, shared, we need to win them, we need to wet them, and then we need to wean them. And uh, I don't know if that's completely true. I, don't, I, I, guess, I guess that's accurate. You need to win them to Christ, you need to get them in the baptistry, and then you need to uh, wean them by, by, by teaching them the truth, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. And so to carry out the Great Commission, that's part of the interest of the church. And then, fourthly here, to train others to be witnesses. Uh, It's good for me to be a witness, but it's also good for me to train you to be a witness so that you can then train others. If, uh, if If I were to do this, if one year... In one year, I go and I reach one person, and I reach this person. Come on up, person. Okay, so after one year, I reach this person here. And, uh, okay, year number two comes, and I'm going to go and reach this person. So person number two, I reach this person. So right now, there's, there's two persons that have been saved. The third year, I'm going to go ahead and Reach another person. Come on up, person number three. Okay. These are good-looking persons, aren't they? Okay. Well, two of them are. Okay. (laughs) We're still praying for this one right here, but all right. So after three years, I've got three. We keep going like that. How long is it going to take me to reach this world? It's going to take me a long time. But let's suppose after one year, go ahead and sit down real quick. Again, I'm going to have you guys come up in just a second. Let's, let's try this again. So one year, I reach this person for Christ. He gets saved, he gets baptized, and I teach him then how to go out and reach someone else. So year number two, you go find someone, and I'm going to go find someone. Okay. Year number two, reach this guy. All right. So now, after two years, we have three people again. Well, now I'm going to teach you how to go reach someone, and you're going to go teach him how to reach someone, and year number three, let's each go reach one. I'll go reach you too, for sake of time. Year number three, now all of a sudden we have one two, three, four, five, six, seven. We keep going like that. Do you realize in 32 years we can reach the entire world's population? But if I do it one at a time by myself, it's going to take me a whole lot longer than 32 years. It's going to take me almost 8 billion years. But if we start training others to do this, friend, it can happen. We can reach this community. We can reach this world. That's God's plan is to equip others to learn how to do this. Thank you. You all may be seated.
2 Timothy 2, 2 says this, And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. See, God's plan isn't that I would just reach one every year. God's plan is that I would reach one as often as, as the Lord allows, and then I train them on how to do that so that they can reach as many people as the Lord allows them to do. And on it goes. Ephesians 4.12, for the perfecting of the saints. One of the reasons that I'm here is to uh, perfect you. Now, the word perfecting isn't meaning that you're going to be perfect. It really means maturing. And it says, for the maturing of the faith or, or, or saints, perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. I'm supposed to be preparing you and giving you opportunities and equipping you to serve the Lord, to teach you, to teach you how to be witnesses. And one of the things I hope to be doing in 2020 is to do an evangelism um, series on Sunday nights where we are going to go through the practicals on how to, how to talk to people about the Lord. And uh, we'll be doing that. I'm looking forward to that. But that's one of the interests of the church. So to bring glory to God first and foremost, to grow spiritually and relationally, and then to carry out the Great Commission and then to not stop there, but to train others to do likewise. And let's go ahead and jump to number three, our involvement in the local church. And this is where the most bonus points are. I am going to go through these very quickly tonight. But uh, biblically speaking, what should our involvement in the local church look like? What does that really mean in a practical level? And uh, this morning we brought a message entitled Church Matters. And uh, we're going to kind of... Uh, carry on a little bit with that theme tonight in this particular point. And I'm going to do my best to kind of rattle through these. Um, first of all, be faithful to the services. Be faithful to the services. How can you be a good participant in the local church? Be faithful to the services. And I understand, and uh, you know, I understand things come up and and uh, you can't be at every service, and uh, maybe you're out of town. I know folks are out of town for uh, the holidays, and I understand some of that. But uh, by and large, the emphasis of our lives should be that we're going to be faithful to the services. As the doors are open, we're going to be there. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 25 says, "...not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is." In other words, the writer of Hebrews is saying there are some who decide that they don't think the church uh, is important to be faithful to. But encourage you to not forsake the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting each other, one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Again, not so much the less, but so much the more that we're making sure that church attendance is um, critical in our own lives. It's a priority. That our children don't need to ask, oh, are we going to church today? Are we going to church tonight? That it, we're, just, we're just there. Um, I was reading about a wife who was getting ready for church one Sunday morning, and she noticed her husband wasn't out of bed yet. She tried to get his attention and say, honey, it's, it's time to get up, time to get ready for church. And he kind of moaned and was like, uh-uh. Honey, it's time to get up and get ready for church. You need to. You need to. You need to. You need to come to church, and uh, 
he said, no, I, I, I don't want to go to church this morning. I don't want to go to church today. Honey, you need to go to church. No, I don't want to go. And it was kind of those, uh-uh, I don't want to, you know, type of a scenario. And uh, finally, he said, you know, you, you give me one good reason why I need to go to church this morning. And she said, okay, here's one. You're the pastor. <laughs> um, okay, I, maybe I've been there a couple times. Um, I know that there are some days where it's, I'm, I'm a lot more excited about coming, and I'm, I'm, I'm just anticipating the Lord to do a great things, and, and other days, not as much. But we need to be faithful to the services when we feel like it and when we don't. I read about Francis uh, Fenelon, who was the court preacher for King Louis XIV of France in the 17th century. One Sunday when the king and his attendants arrived at the chapel for the regular service, no one else was there except for the preacher. Well, King Louis demanded, what, what does this mean? Well, the preacher said, I had published that you would not come to church today in order that your majesty might see who serves God in truth and who flatters the king. Ouch. And so evidently a lot of people were going just to make themselves look good to the king and not really uh, because they wanted to be there. And I want to encourage all of us uh, to be faithful to the services. Many people treat church attendance like they do their relationships. Uh, there is a growing number of young people who don't want to make a commitment anymore in their relationships. As they're, as they're dating, they kind of want to just keep dating because I don't want to make a commitment. I don't want to get married. I don't want to get locked down into one relationship. And that's how they treat the church as well. Uh, they don't want to join a church because if we do then we're kind of committed here. Yeah, that's kind of the point. And I want to encourage us to decide to be faithful to the services. Joining a church requires a commitment, and it's a good thing. It's, it's, it also requires a commitment from the church family to you when you join the church, that you are part of us and we're part of you. It's a good thing. So be faithful to the services. Next, uh, be punctual. Be punctual. Ephesians 5 and verse 16, redeeming the time because the days are evil. I, I realize that sometimes it can be difficult to be on time uh, to church. I understand that. Um, I've been late to church before in my life. I understand. But this is the Lord's work, and this is something that is that important to Christ. Remember, we talked about the importance of the church. He created it. He purchased it. He loves it. It's, that's important to Christ. It should be that important to us. And uh, I think we would all be on time to something that we would consider really, really important in our life, maybe a job interview, uh, maybe a, um, you know, a sporting event. Uh, my son and I went to uh, a Stars game, a Dallas Stars game on Monday night, and uh, we got there really early, and we were surprised how many people were standing in line to get in an hour and a half before the puck dropped. Right? There was a huge line. And uh, it was pretty amazing how many people were there to go to a sporting event uh, an hour and a half before uh, the game started. Now, I'm not suggesting that you come to church an hour and a half beforehand. Uh, you might be the only one here if that's the case. But I am saying let's... 
make, and, and all of us do this, uh, we make time for what's important to us. And I want to encourage all of us, and I'm not trying to pick on anybody in particular, but um, I do want to encourage all of us to be punctual. It, it shows the Lord that we value what He is doing, and it value, it, we're showing Him value when we do that. And uh, I saw, some of you have seen this, uh, don't show up just yet. Um, some of you have seen on social media, if you've been on social media in the last two months, you've seen a, uh, a meme going around with an angry lady and a cat. How many of you have seen those? Uh, yes, they're kind of all over the place. Well, I saw this one this week, and I thought it was great. Let's go ahead and show it real quickly. I can't wake up in time for Sunday school. You bought a crock pot at 4 a.m. on Black Friday. <laughs> and I thought that was so classic and uh, fitting as we talk about this right here. So um, there are people who say, you know, getting up for Sunday school, 945, that's just too early for me on a Sunday morning. But yet we're willing to do something like this. Now, I don't know, I, don't, I, I doubt anybody here was out shopping at 4 a.m. because you don't need to do that anymore. You just go on Thursday afternoon. Um, but the point is, we're willing to make sacrifices in our schedule for things that aren't as important, eternally speaking, as church. And when it comes to church, we're like struggling to get the family out the door and into church. And I realize we have, it's easy for me to say because we drive separately and I have to get myself ready and, and uh, she has to get four, five people ready, uh, really maybe six if you uh, include the, the special dog that we have um, that uh, sometimes requires a little uh, TLC. And so I understand that it can be difficult, but I do want to encourage us to make time for what's important and what if, if, if the church is that important to Christ, it needs to be that important to us. So be punctual. Now, next, participate in the services. Look, wherever you are, be there. And it, that especially includes when you're in God's house. So I realize that, um, you know, in, in our day and age, a lot of people have their Bible on their phones and, uh, and things like that, and that's, that's great. I'm, I'm thankful for those, te- those technologies, but, but honestly, when you, when you have your phone there and you're looking at the Bible and, and you get a text message, boy, that becomes a distraction, and you're wanting to answer that. And, uh, or you maybe get an email or maybe a score pops up or something like that, and you're just so tempted to go a different direction. And uh, I would encourage you to put that away and, and get out the old... What do you call this? Is this called paper? Yeah, a paper, a paper Bible. Yes, get one of these paper Bibles. Uh, but doing that is a lot less distracting than having an electronic device there that will take your mind away from uh, what you're supposed to be focused on. It reminds me of uh, going to another hockey game years ago. Um, my wife and I were invited by a friend in the church they had they had tickets they had four tickets so they were going and they said hey would you guys like to come with us i said absolutely yes let me think about it yes and uh we didn't know what kind of seats these were but we get down there and he's like i think that we're sitting way down there and uh, we get to sit in the sixth row and i'm like now these are seats and um and so we're sitting there and we're watching the game well i'm I'm sitting here, my wife's sitting uh, next to me on this side, 
and then and then um, the the wife of our friend was sitting next to her, and then and then my other friend was uh, next to her, and I was sitting next to this girl. She probably was about 18 years old or so, and uh, she was sitting in the sixth row of an NHL hockey game. It's kind of like my dream come true. Well, guess what she was doing the entire game? This is what she was doing. She was texting on her phone. Now, this is the days before Facebook and all that. Uh, but she was texting with her friends the entire game, not most of the game. And uh, she would occasionally look up and watch, and I'm thinking, why, do you, why are you sitting in the sixth row of this game when you're just like talking to your friends the entire time? And she was, she's doing this, and I'm watching the game. I'm into the game. And all of a sudden, uh, one, of the, one of the ducks and one of the stars go for the puck at the same time with their stick right in front of us. When they do that, it launches this puck into the stands. And it is literally heading right for the head of this 18-year-old girl. And she's totally oblivious to it because she's in the middle of texting her friends. And I reach out, just kind of a reflex. I reach out and go, I grab it. And here it is. I, I caught a hockey puck at an NHL game. This was like my dream come true. And then she kind of looks up. She realizes what happens, and she says, I think you just saved my life. <laughs> I said, it was no big deal. You can pay me later, you know, um, trying to act all humble and everything, you know. But it was so cool to catch a hockey puck. I stood up. I had a, I, we were in, uh, we were watching, we were in the Duck Stadium, and I was wearing my Stars jacket. So I stood up and was like, Everybody was cheering for me because I caught it, and then I stood up, and they saw the Stars jacket, and they went, yeah, I mean, boo! It was cool. You know, I thought about, I've thought about that, that girl a lot, um, that she was there in that game, and she was so elsewhere when she could have been enjoying uh, that moment. And I want to encourage all of us who come to Cornerstone Baptist Church that, look, when we're here, Let's try to do our best to put the distractions of this life away. God has something here for you. Look, I'm not preparing this. I don't prepare these messages for my health. I, I don't prepare them just to preach to me, although I, I do need to preach them to me. Uh, they're meant to help you as well. And so I would encourage you to uh, focus in and, and try to get what God has for you while you're here. Um, the distractions will be there after church. Okay, so participate in the services. Look, when the singing's happening, sing. When the praying is going on, join in prayer. When, when the preaching is happening, focus and, and listen. And, and, and if you can't do that, be praying for me. Be praying that God would, would work and use the, use the message in people's lives. So participate in the services. Next, find a ministry to serve in. Find a ministry to serve in. First uh, Peter four ten says, "As every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another, as good stewards of the manifold grace of God." God's given us each a spiritual gift. God's given us the ability to be a blessing and a and, and a servant to one another. But we need to be good stewards of those gifts. Um, we need to be uh, involved in serving. 
I read about this. There are four main bones in every organization, the wish bones, wishing someone would do something about the problem. There's the jaw bones, doing all the talking, but very little else. And then we have the knuckle bones, those who knock everything that goes on. And then there's the back bones, those who carry the brunt of the load and do most of the work. I would just encourage all of us to decide, you know what, I may not be able to do everything, but I want to be part of the backbone. I want to do what I can to carry the load, and I want to do my part in serving the Lord here at Cornerstone. There's a, most of you are familiar with the uh, Christian hymn, Onward Christian Soldiers. Well, there's another version of that song, and it's Backward Christian Soldiers. And it goes like this, backward Christian soldiers fleeing from the fight with the cross of Jesus nearly out of sight. Christ, our rightful master, stands against the foe. Onward into battle, we seem afraid to go. Like a mighty tortoise moves the church of God. Brothers, we are treading where we've often trod. We are much divided, many bodies we, having different doctrines, but not much charity. Sit, then, uh, sit here then, ye people, join our sleeping throng. Blend with ours your voices in a feeble song. Blessings, ease, and comfort ask from Christ the King. But with our modern thinking, we won't do a thing. Backward Christian soldier fleeing from the fight with the cross of Jesus nearly out of sight. I do want to encourage us to get involved. And we talked a little bit about that this morning when we discussed Paul's assistants, those who helped him in the ministry. And uh, I want to once again reiterate, I cannot do the work here by myself. Um, I need all of us, we need all of us to be involved. God placed you here for that reason. Not just to sit and to soak, but to stand up and to serve. All right, next thought here. How uh, can we be involved here at Cornerstone? How can we be involved in our local church? Get to know one another. Get to know one another. And we have mentioned this already. Acts chapter 2, verse 42. They can steadfastly, continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship. Find ways to get to know one another in our church. Uh, traditionally, there usually is, uh, you know, about three or four families that we kind of fellowship with and have a relationship with in the church. And it's okay to have good close friends like that, but, but don't become exclusive where you only get together with those families. Branch out and get to know other families within the church. Find out, have a meal with them, go out to lunch with them, go out to dinner with them, have them over to your home. And we've talked about this a little bit already this year. But get to know one another. That's how we can be involved here at Cornerstone. Look, we are a body. And it's good to get to know one another. Good to have close relationships with our church family. All right, next thought here. Invite others to come with you. John chapter 1 talks about uh, one of the two which heard John speak, followed him, was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. I like this. He first findeth his own brother Simon and saith unto him, We have found the Messiah, which is being interpreted the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. And when Jesus beheld him, he said, Thou art Simon, the son of Jonah. Thou shalt be called Cephas, which is by interpretation a stone. Andrew invited his brother to come and see Jesus. 
And now we have two books of the Bible, First and Second Peter. Peter got the chance and the opportunity to preach on the day of Pentecost. It all started with an invitation. And you never know what could happen with one invitation that you give to a coworker, that you give to a neighbor, that you give to the person that serves you at McDonald's or wherever you go. You never know what God could do with one invitation. So invite others to come with you. I would encourage you to do that. Next thought, pray for the church. Acts 2.42, they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. They continued in prayers. They were praying for, um, for God's wisdom, I'm sure, and for God's direction in their lives and in this church, new church that just started. I would encourage you to have a time where you pray for our church. Uh, pray for the needs of our church family and and, and that's why coming on Wednesday nights is so important because then you get to hear and, and see some of the needs that are represented in our church. Acts 4.31, what happens when we pray? Acts 4.31, when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they spake the word of God with boldness. A prayer does create uh, unity, and prayer does create boldness as we uh, speak the word of God. So I would encourage you on a regular daily basis to have time of prayer for our church. Next thought here, pray for and support your pastor. Now I know that Paul wasn't necessarily the pastor, but he was definitely a spiritual leader in the life of some of these churches. And uh, he said in 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 25, he says, brethren, pray for us. You know, I thought that I knew I was an assistant pastor for 15 and a half years. And then I was a deacon under my brother-in-law there in Montana for a couple years. And we were there for about three years. I was a deacon for about two years there. And in those times, I thought, I, I know what a pastor's going through because I can see it. Then come here, and now I'm living it. And all I just have to say, folks, is, brethren, pray for us. Pray for me. Um, I, I know that, uh, look, I know that I'm not the only one that has a difficult spot. Um, I know that some of you have difficult jobs as well, and so I don't want to belabor it tonight. Um, but I'm just simply saying, I thought I understood, <laughs> but I didn't in those days. It's different being on this side of it. And uh, I do appreciate when people say, I'm praying for you. I do appreciate when people are indeed holding our names before the throne of grace. It means more to, you, more to me than you'll ever know. So brethren, pray for us. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17, uh, talking about supporting your pastor. And again, a little awkward for me to say all this, but it's part of the counsel of God and I do need to present it. Hebrews 13, 17, Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls, as they that must give an account. One day I'm going to have to stand before Jesus Christ 
and give an account for Cornerstone Baptist Church. Wow. That's heavy. That is extremely heavy. And then it says this, that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. If I give an account and I'm, and God says, well done, thou good and faithful servant. This was a healthy church. You focused on the right things. Uh, there was uh, people in there that were focused on uh, bringing glory to God and, and uh, growing spiritually and carrying out the Great Commission and, and uh, investing in others. Then it's going to be joyful for you. But if, if I stand before the judgment seat and give an account and it's, it's with grief, friend, I don't know how it's going to play out, but it's going to play out some way that's going to be unprofitable for you. I don't want that to be the case. I want, I want the judgment to be good. I want it to be something that I can do with joy. But evidently, part of it is on you. Part of the responsibility is on you. Yes, it's on me, but it's also on you too. And so I would encourage you to pray for and support your pastor. And then last thought here, invest in the work of God. How can we be involved in the local church? Well, we invest in the work of God. Financially, yes. Time, yes. Talents, yes. First um, Corinthians 16.2 says, Upon the first day of the week, let every one of you lay by him in store. As God hath prospered him, let the, that there be no gatherings when I come. God's, <coughs> God's will is that we would invest in his work. Uh, when we invest in his work, basically we're laying up treasures in heaven. We're wrath, rust, and, uh, rust and moth cannot corrupt. There we go. Finally got it out right. Look, whatever you got for Black Friday, uh, one day it's going to burn up. And I know it must have been a great deal. Um, but one day it's going to burn. But when you invest in God, in God's work, uh, that will never burn. That will last for eternity. And so I would encourage you to invest in the work of God. All right, I'd like to end tonight by uh, reading a poem written by Corey Guzman. But Corey is a great poet, and, uh, and he does know it. <laughs> oh, he doesn't know that he's a great one, but he enjoys doing it, and he's good at it. But he wrote this poem called Build My Church. He said, God will surely build his church, and hell shall not prevail. For things built by the hand of men are always doomed to fail. Temples built with finest stone and gilded with great skill will crumble in the course of time to ruins on a hill. And cities built in desert sands have long now been reclaimed, now given back to nature's grip like giants long been slain. And men once who once would conquer, conquer all for country, king, and crown are like a distant memory that history has drowned. And nations that have rose before to reign a thousand years never made it half that far submerged in countless tears. Yet there remains a remnant, promised for all time, of people who would follow God and leave what's past behind. 
And every generation that has passed from thence till now retains the solemn promise of a mansion and a crown. Not of the type men seek on earth, but in the clouds above. For heaven is the home of saints, for God's the God of love. And that's, he's talking about the church. And I'm thankful for God's promises for the church. But let's do what we can to be involved in the church. And let's pray together tonight. Lord, we thank you for this church. Thank you so much for creating it. Thank you for purchasing it. And thank you for loving it so much that you gave your life for it. Lord, help us to treat it with as much or with uh, uh, an equal amount of importance in our own lives. Help us, Lord, to understand our involvement in it and help us to be faithful uh, in our involvement in the local church. Lord, I pray that you would help us to uh, take heed to the thoughts mentioned tonight. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.